you weren't here with us in December, we had an incredible guest that the Lord is connecting to the house. And uh, the Lord is connecting this guest, this friend. He's no longer a guest. I think, man, after two times, you're now a friend. And uh, in fact, if you've sat at my table and you've quizzed my kids and my, quiz, my kids have quizzed you, then uh, you're no longer a guest, you're a friend now. But uh, Apostle Ken Gill from Calgary, Canada is here with us in the house this morning. He joined us in, in December and I connected with him in June last year through Apostle Dennis Peacock. And when I was at the gathering that Apostle Ken had in Canada last year called Band of Fathers, it was a gathering very simply to pull apostolic fathers and fathers in the faith together, uh, very simply to pour out their heart and their wisdom and their love to the next generation. That was the, that was the purpose of the entire gathering. Well, as I was at that gathering, I don't think I shared this in December, in my journal, the Lord spoke very specifically to me and he said, you need to increase the level of apostolic impartation in the house. You must increase that. There's something very peculiar and very unique and very special that happens when people who carry that grace gift come and they impart into the house. And I am thrilled and I am delighted that the Lord is connecting our heart because I believe that he is one of the many apostolic anointings and gifts and graces on the earth in this hour that the Lord's connecting our heart to that has something very special for us. And consequently, I believe that we have something very special for him. So with that being said, would you help welcome Apostle Ken Gill this morning, give him a good solid Antioch welcome this morning and take your liberty, share the word. My iPad has never not wanted to open. How's that? But it is open. It's an ec excellent to be here with you today. Is this on? Good. This doesn't sound like it. So I've got some things in my ears that I got my own. I have my own, uh, what do you call those things? Monitors. So I'm just going to turn them up so I can hear. How's that? You can hear, but I can't hear. It's an, it's an awesome privilege to be with you here today in uh, Colorado again. And it's a privilege to gather together with um, this body. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time with you uh, last December. I hope you did as well. But it's excellent to be here. Wouldn't you know I come on a Sunday when it's uh, lose one hour of sleep Sunday. So I want to clap all of you for being here today. You're here. You're on time. Come on now. I made my aircraft. How's that? I've been up since 325. So I've had oh, half my day is gone, right? But the flight was on time. Everything was on time. That's a miracle, isn't it, these days? But uh, it's, an, it's an honor to be here, and it's a delight to connect with uh, Jade and Christy and the team. And I pray that our relationships will, will deepen and they will grow. And uh, I believe in uh, the, the core to all apostolic life and ministry is not the title apostle. But it's the giant R relationship. It's called relationships on steroids. Is that not true? You know, the question was asked back in the book of Genesis, am I my brother's keeper? Does anybody remember that question? And do you know there's 55 answers for that in the New, in the New Testament? Am I my brother's keeper? I believe we are. And I believe that the core of the 21st century church is a relational theology. We've all been raised on a systematic theology, but we saw how far that has taken us. It must give way to a New Testament theology that has at its core 
the centerpiece of relationships because it stems from a father and a son. It's going to end with a father and a son. And in between, it's about R, 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 and R. I went on a sabbatical in 1993 and I was writing up a uh, uh, kind of a proposal for my sabbatical and I put down that on my sabbatical, I wanted to achieve 23 R's. Rest, replenishing, renewal, you know, and the list goes on. But I believe that one of the things that we have to offer to a broken culture is high relational understanding. I believe that that is our key to brokenness, a brokenness in our society, whether it be in America or in Canada. Can I have an agreement in the room? So if you want to prepare yourself for your future, seek to get every relationship in your life in proper order so that you can be an effective relational agent of the kingdom of God that expresses the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is about a relationship with God the Father through his Son by the Spirit in accordance with the Word of God. Amen? So that's, that's high R. And that's, I, when I met Jade, I thought, who is this guy? And I, I you know, if there's, there's something about an apostolic Christianity. At the core of true apostolicity is the word affection at the core. And I don't think in the church we understand what true biblical affection is. But you know the scripture says that God himself has set his affection on every one of us. So he not only uses the word affection, he uses the word set. In other words, he's chosen, he's established. He set his affection on me and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am unconditionally loved by God. Now, as a human counterpart for God, then what am I to do? I am to take that same love that he has set upon me and set it on you. Is that not true? Can you imagine if we all started setting our affection on one another? Can you say, you, you gotta be kind of crazy. No, I'm speaking to you the truth and love this morning in Jesus' name because we should be the most affectionate people on the planet. Don't you think so? Anyways, uh, I hope you get to meet a friend of mine sometime. His name is John Alley. Uh, John Alley is an author of a book he wrote in 2003 called Apostolic Revelation. It's one of the best books on apostolic understanding. It's a theology of, of understanding apostolic life. It's sound in scripture. It's sound in application. And then the Lord spoke to him, you'll, you'll write a trilogy. And so uh, out of the first book came the second book called The Spirit of Sonship. And uh, I believe that you would have a great delight in uh, having uh, Brother John here. Anyways, I, I've had a real passion for the nation of Australia, and we've ended up getting uh, connected over the years, and I brought him to Canada uh, to do conferences across the nation and to carry the message of spiritual fathers and sons, releasing a brand new center for the government of God to be established in the house of God so we can expand the kingdom of God. We know until the headship is in price, we'll never get to the expansion of the kingdom in a practical way. So God is reordering everything. I mean, he's just, everything's up for grabs. Is that not true? How many have heard the, the prophetic rendition over the last 25 years, everything that can be shaken will be shaken? Has anybody heard that in this house? Uh, say, put up your hand saying, that's me. 
Because he said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That means you and I. Is that not true? And remember, it's not the devil that's doing it. We got to give credit to the one that's doing it. God is shaking everything into place. Isn't that the way he moves and operates? Anyways, I had him in Canada and he's doing a conference and I had my headset with me because it travels with me and his wasn't working. So I, I gave him my headset and I said, I'll, I'll stay through the, the service, the first service I had to drive back that night. And my wife was sitting beside me. My wife is, her name is Cheryl. Uh, we're fathers to four kids and seven grandkids. I thought you might like to know that. Would you like to see a picture? I'll show you that later. But uh, my wife and I will be married 40 years uh, in, a, in, a, in a month. And uh, what a wonderful woman, eh? Isn't that incredible? What an incredible choice she made. I mean, I made. Anyway, she's sitting beside me. She says to me, Ken, I have this unusual thing going on the inside. As John was up there speaking, she had this overwhelmed, she said, Ken, I have this overwhelming affection for this man and his wife. Well, I said, then write it down and send it to him. She said, do you think that'd be okay? Oh, I said, yeah. Just express how you're feeling. Tell them that you've got, God's giving you this incredible love for them as a family. So she did, and we went back to where we were staying, and I put it in an email form for her, and we sent it off. Well, we woke up in the morning, and guess what happened? Well, when John and Hazel went back to their room, they got talking with one another, and the Lord had put such an affection in their heart for us Guess what we received in our mailbox in the morning? And the two love letters passed in the sky. Somewhere in the middle of the night. What were they? They were letters of affection towards one another. And I thought, God, are we on to something here? Is there something that your heart is being expressed when believers begin to verbalize our affection one for another? Can you imagine what would happen in the house of God if we began to verbalize how we really feel about one another? Well, of course, that's, of course, if you've got your relationships in the proper order. You understand what I'm saying? But I, I just want to let you know, Jade and Christy, I've only known you for a year, but the love of God that God's put in our heart and our entire body for you, they don't know you're white, but for you, I, I just want to tell you I love you this morning. I love you in the love of Christ, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Or neither do what I think it's sissy. I think it's very manly and very godly and very Christ-like. Then I got to meet David, who is kind of like a protege, and then I got to meet Dan, and then I got to meet the rest of you, and I think you're all that way. So I just want to tell you this morning, I haven't started yet, I just want to tell you this morning that, so I want to tell you I love you today in Christ. And may the love of the Lord Jesus Christ knit our hearts together for a common purpose. Kingdom expansion. Isn't that exciting? See, the way it is in America, most, uh, most Canadians have Americans to Canada, but most Americans do not have Can Canadians to America. So this is kind of like a novelty, do you understand? We're the lost brother up north. You know what I'm saying? But we only exist because we live beside such a big brother and a big sister, and we enjoy the protection that comes from you as a nation. And so I, I love America. Would you please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts? 
I'm going to take a few moments off the top and I'm going to read what I've written down here on my iPad uh, in preparation for coming this way. I know that you have been a in a season of messages entitled Tending Gardens. And, um, and I, I went on the website. I couldn't, I couldn't find them on the website because your website's under construction. Or at least I was on the wrong website. Anyways, whatever it may be. But uh, I got uh, Jade and I got Joyce to send me the last four messages, which is tending your garden, number one. Tending the garden of your heart, number two. Tending the garden of your marriage, number three. And tending the garden of your family, number four. Is that correct? How many have appreciated these messages over the last four weeks? Yeah. Well, I, I'm the kind of guy, when I work with people and churches and leaders, I like to find out what they're doing and kind of sew into it. I, I really don't have an agenda for you. So I said to Jade, uh, I'm, I'm happy to take the theme. He said, well, uh, I'd just like you to share what's in your heart. So how about we do two things here today? I just said, God, what thoughts do you have for this body that's in keeping with the theme that they're on? So God's pretty smart, you know. How many know, how many know he's pretty smart? So I think, well, you tell me at the end, okay? You're going to be reading this message, right? Because he said to me today, he said when coming here, Jeffrey said, um, I can't wait to hear the excellent word. I said, well, I hope you say that at the end. Anyways, so... Let me begin here. From the beginning of time, Eden, which is called the Garden of God. The word Eden means abundance. Adam and Eve had a, a wonderful privilege to dress it and keep it. At that time, to dress and keep a garden, it was not drudgery, but rather delight. The delight of man's heart in relationship with his God. They, meaning God and man, they walked together, and I spelled this next word, cool, with a K. They walked together in the cool of the garden. Imagine man walking with God in the cool of the garden. And man, by God's original intent, was to keep that garden. And was to keep that garden, that means they were to dress and keep abundance. Can you imagine having that your privilege? The privilege to take the abundance of God created by the genius of the universe and have the privilege as man and woman to tend abundance. So, I, I don't know about you, but how many have imaginations here in this room? I just need, I want to find you. Good, I'm going to be looking for your faces because I need some imagine, imaginative people here today. Now, they walk together in the cool of the garden. What a privilege it is to partner with God in tending our gardens. Don't you think? Now, when Jade said this to me on the phone, I could hardly believe it because there's a lady in our, the church we pastored. Uh, she has a bed and breakfast in the city of Calgary. And it's called Tending Gardens. And uh, I thought it was very appropriate. So I put this down. It's a bed and breakfast with a country feel in the city. It's got beautiful gardens outside and quaint and selective earthly touches on the inside. The food is out of this world. It's excellent. It's, tended to be, it's, it's intended to be that way. It's tasty, and there's an abundance of it. And I, I just thought of tending gardens uh, when, uh, when, I, when I thought of the series you're going on here. 
Now, the word tending or cultivating our gardens is a reflection, really, in the spiritual sense of our spirituality. So really, coming out of your month of fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit has been coming to cultivate the spirituality of this house. So what he's doing, he's going, first of all, to appreciate the garden of God, then your marriage, then your family, and uh, then uh, your heart. So I think God's pretty sharp coming out of that time of focused prayer and fasting that he'd want to come to this as a body. Because I believe that the very title that is over the, the ICA, which is the International Coalition of Apostles, is that we would be apostolically led and prophetically influenced. And I believe that is the major shift in this house. I believe this house is to be apostolically led and prophetically influenced. And I believe that's part of your future in Christ. And what God is doing in America right now is establishing right relationships between prophets and apostles. Because not, not, not always has there been proper relationships. You see, we only exist as apostles because the prophets prophesied us into place. And the prophets only exist in the, in, the, in the 1990s because the teachers taught that we needed prophets. That's the way it's all come about. So as a result of that, without the prophets, the function of the apostles would, would still be quiet as we were up till 1994 and 1995. And there came this global explosion of apostolicity around the world. So what is God doing with protocols? Well, here's what he's doing. He's establishing right relationships between the two. Because the foundation of everything we are to establish must be established with both of us working together in a right relationship. Not just tolerating one another, but literally working together as apostles and prophets to literally see the kingdom of God be advanced. Now, the Lord is wanting to tend or cultivate our gardens as a reflection of him working on our spirituality. Gardens, I've discovered, do not grow themselves. Gardens need to be nurtured. They need to be worked. They need to be thought and care and attention given to the garden. We must cultivate the soil and water the seeds if we are going to see a harvest. This requires in the heart of every one of us motivation and dedication. A question I had in my spirit, Ken, have you ever heard a garden grow? That question came in my spirit. Have you ever heard a garden grow? I don't think any of us have heard a garden grow, but we certainly see a garden grow. You know, and when I begin to look at what God has for us here, have you ever heard your garden grow? I never have, but I've seen it grow. No hassles. The garden doesn't yell at you. I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm getting growing. I'm getting bigger. I'm getting bigger. No. It just grows when the above attention is given to it. It's like it just grows. The most natural thing for it to happen. Today, I'd like to continue this theme with a focus on your future, both individually and corporately as a body. Let's call today, Tending the Garden of Your Future. Now, the Lord has taken me back to bring this message today about 25 to 30 years in, in ministry life. And I want to share a, an experience I had with God with you this morning to make a point uh, with you as a congregation. Tending the garden of your future. When it comes to the garden itself, it's the very act of selecting a plot of ground. You clear the ground, then you cultivate that land. Then we seed it, then we weed it, then we fertilize it. It's all done in anticipation of a prosperous future. 
called the harvest, followed by enjoying the spoils of all that you have done. I believe that the scripture declares to us that we are God's offspring. Is that not true? So let me give to you a second title for this message, a subtitle. This is what it's going to be called. Pulling the future into the present and pulling the past into the present. Or a third title would be this. <laughs> subtitle, subtitle, subtitle. Okay? The third one would be living today as the offspring of God. Let's say that together. Living today as the offspring of God. Let's try it one more time. Living today as the offspring of God. Would you take out your right index finger? Would you do that, please? Would you point it at me? Would you lift up your voice like a trumpet? This is your opportunity to preach. Are you ready? Are you ready? You're sure? Okay, what, what, did we, what did we just say? Living as the offspring of God. Are you ready? Come on, preach it. One, two, three. Living as the offspring of God. Now call it living today as the offspring of God. Let's try it. Living today as the offspring of God. Some of you have got your hands like this, Park. You're not, you're not really into it, okay? Everybody want, I know everybody wants to preach, right? So this is your opportunity. Come on. Let's, both of them. Let's, are you ready to go now? Here we go. Living today Anybody interested? Bottom line here today is we all are God's offspring. So let's start there. Pulling your, the future into the present. Now, I'm going to take this uh, statement and shape it because that is what biblical meditation is all about. If you go to Psalm 143 verses 5 to 10 and Psalm 145 verses 5 to 6, the psalmist writes this about the three stages of biblical meditation. Number one. David writes, I remember the days of long ago. So we remember. Can we say remember? Amen. Number two, he said, I meditate on all your works. Can we say, I meditate on all your works? That's the present. Now let's look at number three. I consider what your hands have done. Can you say the word consider? consider. Now in the course of the discipline of biblical meditation, this is what we do. We bring that which is into the past, into the present, and we allow what God is doing from the past into the present to help project us and propel us into our future in God. Now, when we look at our future, not a lot of people, uh, really, uh, lots of times, Christians spend more time looking back than they do looking ahead. We spend more time in the rearview mirror than we do and saying, God, where is it that you want me to go? What is it that you desire me to do? How can I fit into your plan? What is your assignment for me? What inheritance do you have for me that you want me to walk in, live in, and live out? Is that not true? See, to be truly prophetic means that we're going to honor the past as it's brought into the present. But we're also going to consider the future what God has for us. I, I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. Now, how many here would like to really quickly forget, forget your past? Just raise your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, some of us have stuff that we're not proud of, right? So it's really easy to forget that, right? But it doesn't pay to forget your future before you're there. Now, let me uh, go into this and try to explain to you what I'm trying to say. 
I was in my 30s and I was pastoring in uh, the province of Ontario, which is directly north of Buffalo, uh, right by the Great Lakes, the city of Toronto. And when I was there, I was driving home one night, like you know, we do, I had four children. And so I would leave the office somewhere around 4.30 to 5 o'clock. And because of traffic, it would take me usually 20 to 30 minutes to get home. So I'm driving in my car. As I'm driving in my car, usually some worship music on, or considering what has gone on in the day, I'm driving home, I'm on the freeway. I just turn off the freeway on to the secondary road that takes us to our home. And this is what I heard the Spirit of God say to me in my car. Why do my people say hindsight is better than foresight? Why is it that mockingly or in a, in a way of jesting do we sometimes flip off and say, yeah, I just practiced 2020 hindsight. So anyways, I didn't have an answer for that. So I, uh, I meditated on that. I thought, hmm, the Lord's come to me. I don't know how God works with you, but throughout my journey with God, he comes and asks me questions, then he departs, doesn't depart, you know what I'm saying, but kind of moves aside and wait till I work with him to find out an answer. I kind of like the way he works and operates. He puts something in my heart, my spirit, so that I got to dig. So as soon as I walk into home, I got four kids under five, right? So four kids under five, you don't do a lot of meditating. And everybody said amen to that. So we have four kids under five. So what I did is I parked the conversation in my car and went in to be father. So I look after meal, get meal together, but I'm going back to the church for an evening commitment, right? So as soon as I get back in the car, I'm back in dialogue. Why? Because he's father and I'm son. And that's how God really works with us. He just really wants to talk to us like that. He just wants us to just allow him to be father and we be sons and just dialogue with them. It's not spookernatural. It's, it's really wonderful. Because God, God is interested in just dialogue with his children. You know, the, my father would probably do the same thing to me. Ask me a question, let me go figure it out. Right? And then uh, maybe we had dialogue about it. If I didn't get it right, he'd probably help me to get it right, so to speak. So I get back in the car and I engage God again with this question. And he noticed what he said. God's saying to my spirit, why do my people... Why do, can you imagine the people, why, why would the people of God, why, why would the people of God in a jesting way or in a cynical way uh, put more emphasis on, on literally on, on hindsight? Oh, I remember those good old days. I remember those days of renewal. You know, there's, there's a whole pile of charismatic people in America and Canada that do not want to move on. They, 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 want, they want God to do repeat performances for them because they only know the God of renewal. What, what, what if God says, I was in the renewal, I'm still in the renewal every day because that's part of the work of my spirit, but ladies and gentlemen, the cloud has moved. Whether it be a pillar of cloud by day or a pillow of fire by night. It's moved. And ladies and gentlemen, it's been moved for 15 years. But 
what happens is, is we look back and we cherish all the memories of meeting God and that renewal time. You know what? So do I. But you know what? If you're going to function apostolically, we must move on. We must move forward. Why? Because the God of foreknowledge lives and abides within us by faith. Is that not true? So he asked me this question. Why do my people say hindsight is better than foresight? And uh, knowing that our God is a God of foreknowledge, I, I recognize that God was functioning in the prophetic realm. And prophets operate this way. They operate, prophets contend for things that others can't see. So God, as prophet, was saying, he was seeing things that I couldn't see. And he was baiting the appetite of my heart to pursue him to find out what he was really trying to say. How many understand my journey? Am I confused anybody yet? Okay, just three people. I'll try to get you unconfused. Now, I am in dialogue back to the church. And in my dialogue back to the church, uh, why am I sharing you this morning? I think Holy Spirit brought it back to my memory. Share it. Because I believe I am establishing something here today from an apostolic leader that is a governor in everything I've done for the last 35 years. It's like a governor. And you see, the apostolic gift is a gift of governance. And God was like establishing a, a governance on the inside of me by speaking to me prophetically and looking for an answer. So, I go back to the church, guess what? No answer. So I go do the, the evening meetings and guess what? I get back in the car. Now he's got my attention, right? So back into the car. Didn't take me long. Okay, God, what are you saying here? So this went on for a couple of days. And I'm, I'm, I'm beating the heart. I say, God, what, what are you trying to say? To, what are you trying to say to me? And then he said to me, I want you to have a look. In my spirit, I had this impression. Go to Acts 17. So I went to Acts 17. And verse number 24, note where this starts. Talking about gardens, let's have a look at verse number 24. This is thousands of years after the garden of God was established. But here's Paul the apostle, uh, uh, Dr. Axe, Dr. Luke is writing this, but speaking about the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. So he was taking me back literally right to the garden. Right to the source. Right to the beginning of all things. And so I'm right back in the beginning with God. I've never connected the two subjects until the, uh, this week in preparation for today. And verse number 26 says this. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them. Number two, the exact places where they should live. Number three, he did this so that men would seek him and perhaps number four, reach out to him and number five, they would find him and number six, though he's not far from any one of us. So how many have heard that portion of scripture before? Just raise your hand. So, I'm back in my story now, okay? I'm in dialogue with God. And this is what the Spirit put in my heart. Son, you know what my word says? Yeah, Lord, what are you saying? He said, well, 
You heard what the poet said? And here's what comes. The next verse is what the Lord said to me. For in him, speaking of God, we live. In God, we move. And in God, we have our very being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. There's that word offspring again. So let me go to my notes just for a moment. God says, in you I live, in you I move, and in you I have my very existence. So I, I look at that, I say, he lives in us, he moves in us, he has his very existence in us. So we've been taught in the church that in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our very existence. Is that not true? The Lord said to me, turn that around and apply it to yourself. Son, in you I live. Antioch Church, in you I move. Antioch Church, in you I have my very existence. You say, what's the big deal? Oh, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, God, I'm so enthralled. In you I live, God. In you I move, and God, in you I have my very existence. And Father comes back and he says, Ken, son, daughter, in you I live. In you I move. And in you I have my very existence. Anybody dealing with insecurity in the house this morning? Here's a good way to get it annihilated. Understand who we are in Christ. And I begin to realize we're so caught up with the awesomeness of God, we forgot that this God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has taken up residence on the inside of us. Isn't that incredible? Like, we literally, you know, we have an experience that Adam never had. He walked in the cool of the day, but he never had the cool of the day living on the inside of him. So say, Ken, what he's trying to say, I think the Lord is wanting to strengthen our courage. And he wants us to know, people of God, in you I live, and in you I move, and in you I have my very existence. Isn't that amazing? And the same for you again. I speak to you the second time. God lives in you. He moves in you. Has very existence in you. And so as you become a more activated local church, what are, what's being activated? The very nature and presence of God. God is saying, when you go out of here today, I release you as people who, in whom I live and in whom I move, and in whom I have my very existence. I don't know how that makes you feel today, but I'm about to explode up here. I, I feel what God wants to do sometimes with us as believers is this. Lay his hands upon our head and give us literally revelation and understanding of who we are in him. It will affect our marriages. It will affect our business. It will affect our decision making. It will affect everything. The way we see God. And recognize the way he sees me. He says, son. He said, you're not to be a, a man of hindsight. You're to be a man of foresight. You're to be a man that understands me and walks with me. I'm a God of foreknowledge. I reveal my plans and my wishes to my sons and my daughters. 
It, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Come on. Do you know what I'm, I'm looking at? The highest level of God's creation. Right here. Guys, it doesn't get better. You're the highest level of God's creation. Can I say it again? You're the highest level of God's creation. One day, you and I, you get all get caught up with angels. That's good to get caught up with angels and understand them. But one day, we're going to judge them. Remember who we are. Angels do not get to experience the redemption of Christ. We do. Is that not wonderful? See, we're people of foreknowledge. You know what God wants to do? He wants to visit this house prophetically and give you plans for your city. But he wants you to execute the plans apostolically. And he wants to give you a courage to not be intimidated any longer by the spirit of the world and by the pressure that you sense at work and everywhere you are because we are God's people. But don't get excited. It's not, it's not a good time to get excited. I'm, I, might, I might get excited. I might get excited, but you can't, okay? Is that all right? So in my journey with the Lord, so I'm, I'm here today to say this to you as a people. Number one, he is in us and he lives in us. In us, he moves. In us, he has his very existence. We are planted in Christ, the sent one. We are prepared in Christ, the creator of all things. We are placed in his body as it pleases him, the head of the church. And in Acts chapter 17, verse number 28, we are God's offspring. When walking with God this way in the cool of the garden, I have a question. Do we still walk a similar way with God? Do you know that by Christ living with me on the inside, that I have the creator of the universe living inside of me. The scripture says that Jesus has created all things visible and invisible. How many believe that be true in the scripture? Is that true? Now, could I suggest something here for your thought? Do you think that God, the creator, the master of all innovation wants us to co-innovate with him. We use the word creative a lot. I think it's overused. There's really only one creator and to be creative in that capacity, you have to create out of nothing. And that's how he gets the sole title, creator. You and I, everything that's happened since creation has not been creative, it's been innovative. Because it's all come out of things that have already been created. And so what we're doing is we are innovating from his creation. And I believe that the Lord would say to this house that because he lives in you and moves in you and has his very existence in us, that he wants us to get into his presence and say, Master Innovator of the universe, would you show us innovative ways on reaching culture without the compromising of your word and your spirit? What do you think? 
I think that God's up to something. I think the master innovator is in the room. And I believe what he wants to do is he wants to birth forth in this house those that are interested, many new innovations in this ministry. Mankind is a human counterpart for God on the planet. It says in the book of Romans chapter 4, you might want to turn there in verse number 16. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Think about that. Let me read that again. The God who gives life from the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. How does that work? And the same thing, it says we're his offspring. So are we to walk in that dimension of faith as the offspring of God? If Abraham was God's offspring, and we are God's offspring, then we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God that he wants us to co-innovate with him. Because he lives in us, moves in us, and his very existence is in us. Is that true? Now, I know we get caught up in worship, and I understand the worship part of this. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from God at all. I could say, God, in you I live. In you, God, I move, and in you I have my very existence. But to have my heavenly Father arrest me and say, son, understand it, turn it around and apply it to your life. Son, in you I live. Son, in you I move. And son, in you I have my very existence. Is that not true? Ladies and gentlemen, do you have your cell phones with you today? Take out your cell phones. Take out a portable device. Have you got a portable device? Take out a portable device. Anything you got? You got one? You got it? Got it in your hand? Take something out. Take some keys or take something. But if you've got a portable device, go ahead, take it out. You got it? How many got it? Okay, hold it up. Okay, now take that portable device and tuck it inside your shirt. Okay. For some, it'll be easier than others. <laughs> Pardon the practical application here. So what do we carry around on the inside of us? Listen carefully. The portableized presence of the invisible God. That's who we are. We have God on the inside. Is that true? Is theologically, is that true? Can you imagine after Jesus has ridden from the dead? Can you imagine? You imagine the disciples, the three years that they were with him, they were not born again. They couldn't be born again because he hadn't resurrected from the dead. He blew into the nostrils of first Adam, the breath of life, and he became a living soul. He had to arise from the dead and meet his 12 followers in that upper room and come in front of them in John chapter 20 and he sees them full of fear, full of doubt, full of unbelief and he meets them where they're at and in his resurrected body, he speaks to them. And the scripture says that he breathed into them. For the first time in human history, 
God takes up residence in mankind. You cannot counterfeit that. You cannot counterfeit pure salvation and pure entrance of the Holy Spirit into our life. You can't counterfeit that. Amen? And you know, here's how it happened. Do you like to see how it happened? Can you imagine the, 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 the 11 apostles standing there in front of him and he does this. He goes, so what did God do? The same one that breathed into the first Adam is now the second Adam and is breathing in to the apostles that are gonna give birth to the church and advance the kingdom of God. So what does he do? He exhales, but can you imagine? The 11 of them go. Here it was. You say, you're crazy. Listen, if there was a time in my life that I could have been in a room at any time, the Bible says that the entrance of his word brings life. But that time, it was the entrance of the word that brought spiritual life for the first time. The entrance of the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And now he's taken up residence in human beings. I think the doctrine of salvation, which his theological name is called soteriology, is one of the most uh, skipped over doctrines in the Word of God. There's about 14 things that happen to us when we're born again. Did you know that? Let's try to go down the list. I used to get into some discussions with guys that say, you know, we're saved. When we're saved, are we born again before we're saved? Are we adopted before we're born again? Are we justified before we're sanctified? Are we baptized into the body of Christ before we repent or after we repent? Or when do we obtain uh, the assurance of our salvation? Or is my sanctification come after my justification? And does my justification become before my adoption? And does my adoption come before my salvation? And when does the assurance, like literally, like it is a comprehensive complex doctrine of soteriology, meaning that God is taking up residence in humankind. And you can say to me, you know, Ken, I knew all that stuff this morning before you came. And you know what? The Holy Spirit would just say to you then today, and start living. Knowing that the God of the universe is not outside of you. But in him we live and move and have our being. And son, in you he lives. He moves you want God to move in Colorado Springs? Are you interested? Well, let him move in you, son. Most of us are waiting for God. And God says, I'm waiting for you. You see, we're waiting. We're putting all the pressure on God. God, move, God, move. And he said, I'm ready to at any time. Are you ready to move with me? You want God to move in this community? Are you ready to move with God? Are you ready? You're standing up on that keyboard. I was watching you today as you were helping us in worship. As you enter in and lead this people in worship, you get ready to experience the overwhelming presence of God all over you. And 
literally drench you in a way that you've not ever known in the history of your journey with God. Why? Because it's essential for this body that you allow God to do in you what's necessary so you can be part of the tribe of Judah and lead into the future. And you as well, son, as you're, amen, are you ready to move with God? Are you sure? Can I make this statement over you? What's your name, son? Joe. Joe, Joe in you, God lives. <laughs> Not too shabby, hey? <laughs> Let me try one more. In you, God moves. Can you handle it? Are you ready for the next one? In you, Joe. In you, Joe. He has his very existence. So why don't you go out of here today and make them known. Make them known. Just go make Christ known. You got the portable presence of the Holy Spirit right there. And everywhere you go, you're never alone. You got, he's with you. Isn't that exciting? What do you got on the inside? I've got God. What do you got? All these people, you know, they're going to parties and they're doing all this and you go to work on Sunday and you, what did you do this weekend? Well, we had a seminar on healing your marriage. Oh, what did you do this weekend? Well, we went to Antioch Church on Sunday morning. We had a worship time. And then they're waiting for us to ask back, what did you do? Oh, man, we went out and got blasted on Friday night. Then we got blasted on Saturday night. And then we got blasted on Sunday and we slept all day Monday. But we had a great time. We puked all over the place. We tithed all of our offerings to the bar. That's where tithe goes somewhere, doesn't it? Doesn't it go somewhere? I was on my way to the airport this morning at 4.15. Across the street from my house was a whole bunch of young adults just coming home from a party. My wife called me just as I was getting on the aircraft. She said, Ken, there was 60 young adults in one house, uh, just not far from our house, and there was two stabbings. Looks like possibly a couple of deaths. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we have a world out there that desperately needs a mobilized people. And this Holy Spirit that's portable... He's portable for a reason. Come on. Come on. Somebody get happy. Can you say after me, I. Can you say after me, I. Carry around in myself the portableized presence of the Almighty God. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I'm God's child. Say this after me. God lives in me. He moves in me. And he has his very existence in me. Is that not true? Let me conclude this morning, if I can at this time, uh, getting close to the 12 o'clock hour. Let me try to finish this up. We're in Romans chapter 14, verse number 16. And it says here in verse number 16, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is a father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Around our family table, was a godly father and a godly mom. My wife and I have had the privilege over the years of ministry to sending thousands of teams to the nations of the world. 
not scores, not hundreds, thousands, to 99 different nations of the world from the local church. Because the local church as an expression of the kingdom is to be a mobile church expressing the kingdom. So that's why today you didn't come to church. What do you mean? Like, we use language that incarcerates us. Do you think that we could strip from our vocabulary that we don't go to church on Sunday mornings? Rather, as the church, we come to worship. And I'm not trying to play semantic games. There's a reason why we're entrenched. There's a reason why we're in a rut. There's a reason why we're not mobile. There's a reason why we're not kinetic. There's a reason why, because we think church is something that's on a corner. Ladies and gentlemen, I speak to the church of Antioch in Colorado Springs. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Walk. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. <laughs> Come on. Amen in Jesus' name. Rise up and walk, church. That's the word of the Lord for you this morning. Rise up and walk. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just everybody stand. If you could, please. Can I close with a story? That'd be okay? Listen carefully to me now here. Jesus meets a woman at the well. And he brings her past into the present. And he introduces him to himself. Certainly thou art a prophet sent from God. And then he introduces her to her future. That's our lives. She goes into the town and turns an entire village upside right as a woman that had been married five times and was living with another man. say to me, Ken, this morning, you know, I got so much stuff in my past, I don't think God could ever use me. Why would the Lord of glory, the creator of humankind, choose a woman in that state? But for a model. If there's anybody here this morning that you feel hopeless, if you'll take this message this morning, do you know what will come to live on the inside of you? The God of hope. He'll just go... hope is on the inside and incarcerated he doesn't know what to do most of us in our expressions of worship are asking for God to come down why 